Hi, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to episode 73 of the Deep South Dharma podcast, being released Sunday, August 23rd. Our topic this week is wise effort as we continue on with our series on the Eightfold Path. Before we get into that, I want to give you a quick update about my September retreat, um, Devotion to the Deathless. This retreat has uh, is an online group. At one point it was listed as residential with a Zoom option, but we are completely going to Zoom for, for that. So it's 17th of September, Thursday evening to Sunday morning, September 20th. And I hope you'll go take a look at heartwoodrefuge.org, take a look at the description, and consider joining me. This retreat, because it is a four-day retreat, is um, just as my previous retreat was, is eligible for um, Homera scholarships. And so take a look, see if you are eligible for that, if if the retreat uh, calls to you. I have found that although I have practiced uh, meditation and Dharma study for many years, Uh, A more dedicated devotional practice that has developed over the last year or so has really um, added an element that helps balance out my practice in a really fulfilling way. So uh, that that can happen even for a lay person like myself. And so if you would like to um, participate in some of that, Um, or just spend a weekend practicing with me and with others in our community, go take a look at Devotion to the Deathless at heartwoodrefuge.org. And then we are continuing our online groups at Deep South Dharma, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central, midweek meditation is Wednesdays at 11.30 Central. The links to those um, opportunities for practice are at deepsouthdharma.org, along with other updates as they occur. So now, let's let's take a look at wise effort um, from maybe an angle that I haven't discussed before. And what is right effort? Here, one generates desire for the non-arising of unarisen, unwholesome states. She makes an effort, arouses energy, applies the mind, and strives. She generates desire for the release of arisen, unwholesome states. She makes an effort, arouses energy, applies the mind, and strives. She generates desire for the arising of unarisen, wholesome states. She makes an effort, arouses energy, applies the mind, and strives.
and she generates desire for the continuation of arisen wholesome states, for their non-decline, increase, expansion, and fulfillment by development. She makes an effort, arouses energy, applies the mind, and strives. This is called right effort. That reading is from one of the Buddha's discourses called Analysis of the Eightfold Path from the Sangyutta Nikaya. And it's pretty straightforward. But I wanted to offer a few reflections as we look at these four great efforts. Um, and, and part of what I hope to highlight for us is that there are these four great efforts, but underlying all of it, right effort involves taking what I sometimes like to call radical responsibility. So this isn't to be mistaken in terms of, you know, sometimes there can be sort of a um, an error that comes up in sort of um, people who, I won't say new age thinking or new age circles, because I'm not sure that's actually what's taught, but sometimes what people take from, um, from those settings is that everything that happens to you is your fault or something. Uh, and I don't think that that's what's being taught, but I do think that's what people hear sometimes. So what I am, what I mean when I talk about taking radical responsibility is, is dealing with our own responses to life. We're not saying that what happened out there external to us is our fault. We're saying I take radical responsibility for my own freedom by doing the internal work to create wholesome mind states. So again, just highlighting the four efforts that the Buddha spoke of was preventing unarisen, so preventing unarisen, unwholesome mind states, releasing arisen, unwholesome mind states, cultivating the arising of wholesome mind states, and then maintaining and strengthening and maturing the wholesome mind states. So I want to say a couple of words about uh, some of the words, actually, that, that show up here. When we talk about unwholesome or wholesome mind states, those words, um, it's helpful if those words are not understood in some sort of puritanical sense. And we're not even talking about wholesome and unwholesome in terms of our language might say positive or negative. Because the fact is, is that in a mind state may feel pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, and that doesn't automatically make it positive or negative for us in terms of our freedom. So, for instance, um, there is, so let me just kind of, I want to reiterate that by mentioning, just reminding us of um, the Buddha's teaching that there is a type of suffering that leads to the end of suffering, and then there's a type of suffering that leads to more suffering. 
So when we're talking about the type of suffering that leads to the end of suffering, it may be that that type of suffering, the stress, the dread of turning towards something difficult that has to be dealt with, but being willing to do that then allows us um, freedom. So that's the type of suffering that leads to the end of suffering. And then there's the suffering of avoidance, of minimization, of denial, of rationalization um, that only leads to more suffering because we don't turn and deal with our suffering in a way that brings us freedom. So we want to learn in terms of preventing unarisen, unwholesome states. We want to, to learn what takes us into those mind states that are not productive, not helpful, um, unnecessarily painful, right? The pain that can be avoided. That's what we're, we're looking at. And, and I had a really very clear example of that one time in just recognizing I, I love music. Um, (laughs) I think, I think one of the reasons I'm not a monastic in this lifetime is because of my attachment to music. Um, I, music has been the love of my life. Uh, and so, um, but I really have learned to notice the effect that music has on the mind. And I remember driving, I remember actually where I was driving when I saw this happen. This was a number of years ago, but, um, there was a song that I really, really enjoyed. And, um, but it, it definitely had that sort of mood altering effect of just a lot of excitement and agitation. And, um, and I experienced a great deal of pleasure in that song. And then within a few moments, I noticed my mind had plunged into some really sort of negative uh, rumination about something um, that was really sort of neither here nor there. Um, it wasn't relevant to anything in the moment, except that sort of disrupting the um, state of mind had had sort of taken me to that edge. And it is not that I uh, experience or think that we're supposed to be flatlined, right? But I do think if, if we're going to use the music metaphor for a moment, you know, there is, um, in music, there's this, this sense of, um, of the crescendo and then the coming down to sort of baseline again, or then the, the going heavy and then coming back to light again, there's a, but there's a range and sort of think about there's a range beyond which, um, notes can go so high that they're no longer joyful or pleasant to listen to, or they can go so low that they become nothing more than a, than a growl. (laughs) And so, um, so recognizing that, yes, there's sort of a variation and music in a sense to our mind states, but we do want to sort of keep them between those lanes that, uh, that is, is useful. So just noticing what does that for you. So that was a, that was a moment of recognizing for me a particular um, state. And also I remember thinking too, I wonder if this, if this effect 
um, is also uh, accentuated at that time by uh, I had been up late than I was in grad school. So I had been up late the night before um, writing a paper. So it's like, oh, so just something to pay attention to. Right. Um, it may be that <laughs> that if I'm going to listen to certain kinds of music, maybe I want to be sure I have enough sleep or or maybe I want to be willing to let go of the type of music that has that extreme and effect. So the a way that this shows up for people right now, of course, is in their um, social media diet um, and in the way that they take in information. And we have talked about that before, just, um, you know, how much information do you need to get a sense for what's going on and what what direction you may want to go into um, help improve things for yourself and other people to be of service to the world. Um, you, you know, there's no need to expose yourself to uh, to hateful trolling comments. Certainly, no benefit to um, arguing online, that kind of thing. So, just being aware of preventing those unarisen, unwholesome states. And again, unwholesome states being those states of mind that are pointless suffering. And then there's the release of the arisen unwholesome states. So this may be, so when we are first deliberately uh, developing a path of spiritual awakening and spiritual maturity, Usually what has brought us to that path is the fact that there are unwholesome states already arisen. I mean, I wouldn't even say usually. I would say that's what brings us there. And so very often that's actually what people are starting with is, is these unwholesome states of um, painful, uh, repetitive suffering, um, whether that is um, addictions, compulsions, and attachments that are causing suffering, whether it is um, repetitive uh, symptoms of trauma that need um, that need a certain kind of support for, you know, all of the feelings that we are, that we experience will self-release, but, but there needs to be, um, there are certain conditions in place for that to happen. You know, one, one way of saying it might be we are designed um, whether by evolution, by nature, however you want to say it, but we are designed to be able to to heal from whatever happens to us. Not necessarily be cured, but we are designed to heal. But the healing does require um, certain certain conditions. And what I'm finding myself, excuse my stumbling over words, what I'm finding myself remembering is just, there's a, just a little uh, bitty book called the Grief Recovery Handbook that is a classic. And um, it's a book for dealing with any kind of loss, not only the loss of people you love, but maybe the, the loss of innocence that you experience if you've been abused, um, loss, uh, the loss that comes with moving from one town to another or, um, or loss of, of, of a job or those sorts of things. And so that's actually a really useful book that I'll just mention. And I'll also put it in the description of the podcast so you can look it up if you want. 
But in the grief recovery handbook, um, they talk about the fact that how grief is this natural process. We don't have to know how to do grief, but we may need to know how to support it because our in our Western culture, we don't know how to support it very well. I mean, even if you look at the fact that cemeteries are no longer next door to churches, even in our religious life in the West, there's this denial of death, the denial of loss that goes on. But the, um, the circumstances that support healthy grieving include things like you need to, to allow yourself time and safe space. There needs to be a sense of uh, permission to feel. And there needs to be a sense that you're not alone with your feelings. So that doesn't mean that you can't be physically alone, but you do need to feel like you could pick up the phone and text or call somebody and have support at any time that you might need it with a big wave of feelings. So when those sort of, uh, when there's that sense of time, safe space, permission to feel, and a sense of, uh, of being witnessed, uh, of loving presence, then that grief process will take care of itself um, if we're willing to be present to it. So when we're talking about releasing arisen unwholesome states, that is, that's part of what we're talking about is providing ourselves those kind of conditions. And, and there may be some um, states where we need professional help um, to, um, so, that, so that we have a, a particularly skillful uh, presence with us in dealing with big waves of, of um, emotion and thought and unwholesome states. But, <clears throat> but also sometimes it's just a matter of being willing to um, to sit with them and, and releasing something doesn't mean getting rid of it. So when we talk about releasing unwholesome mind states, we're talking about loosening the grip so that they self-release in their own time. You know, very often our grasping around mind states happens not only in sort of trying to hang on to the ones we like or that we find useful for our coping mechanisms, but also there is grasping around mind states we don't like. It's like we try to grab them by the shoulders and push them out the door, and that just keeps us involved with them. So just loosening that grip, allowing those mind states to, to move through as they need to, um, and, and the Buddha himself assured us that feelings are self-releasing. We don't have to know how to we don't have to know how to do it. We might know. We might need to know how to let go so that they can self-release. And then there's the cultivation cultivation of the arising of of wholesome mind states, and um, this is partly what um, what the precepts are about. It's not. It's not only about um, protecting others. Uh, by through non-harming. I mean, that's, that's hugely important, obviously, but also for our, for our spiritual practices in general, for our meditation practice in particular, cultivating the arising of wholesome mind states um, is, 
is partly a matter of behaving in ways that then we're able to sit with ourselves and have some peace of mind. Um, and, and then with the maintaining and strengthening, strengthening and stabilization of those states, there's that sense of um, continuing those things that are beneficial, acts of generosity, um, the development of the 10 perfections that we have studied before in this podcast. The, um, the, and again, uh, cultivating and then maintaining and strengthening and, and fully developing and maturing wholesome mind states isn't about always feeling good. So one wholesome mind state uh, might be um, a state of being uh, um, in touch with compassion and deep empathy. Well, that's not always a pleasant experience but it's definitely wholesome. It's not something to be avoided. And, um, and I, uh, part of what I want to mention too, with this sort of strengthening and stabilization of wholesome mind states is we are talking about this both in terms of the brain and the mind, or at least I am right now talking about this in both in terms of both the brain and the mind, the brain is not the mind. Um, but just as, but the brain needs to be functioning at a very, um, in, in the best possible way to support the development and the cultivating of freedom for the mind. And so, for instance, um, when we talk about cultivating and then maintaining and strengthening wholesome mind states at a brain level, part of what we're talking about is carving new pathways in the brain. And so, for instance, one thing that I say often when introducing people to meditation is that part of what we are doing is training the brain that carving these pathways wherein we're able to be both relaxed and alert in the same moment. Um, usually in our culture, and this happens to people very often when they first start trying to meditate, they fall asleep because in our culture, people are either um, very agitated, active, running, busy, 100 miles an hour, or it's time to lie down and sleep. And for many, many people, there's just not enough practice and experience with being able to be fully alert and also fully relaxed. So at a brain level, what we're doing is carving out a new brain pathway. And then in the maintaining and strengthening, strengthening and stabilization of it, it's like we're sort of deepening those grooves in the brain so that when we are in a restful state, the, 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 the brain has the, the structure that can support the mind sort of settling into these, um, into these wholesome, useful useful ways of using the power of thought. But the mind is different from the brain. And, um, and of course, and, and there are many, many people who have talked about this, but just to keep it really um, accessible, I'll quote um, Dan Siegel, who talks about the brain being, you know, it's an organ of the body and it's, it's important, but the mind is not the brain. The mind resides in our relationships to ourselves, to other people, to the world. 
um, to other beings in other realms, possibly uh, for for people who who are maybe fully enlightened. You know, we hear the stories about the Buddha teaching devas of other realms. So, so the idea here is that cultivating and then strengthening and stabilizing wholesome mind states is that's that other aspect of of the precepts, right? We practice precepts both for our own peace of mind at a maybe at a brain level, but then also there's that peace of mind in our relationship with ourselves and our relationships with the world. Now, very often, um, I'll just mention briefly, very often um, wise effort is also spoken of in terms of, um, of, of sort of tuning the right degree of, of effort, bringing enough energy, but not so much. And that is, that's covered in an earlier podcast, but I wanted to, in this, uh, this particular series, to really focus on what the Buddha had to say about what he meant by wise effort. So with that, let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle. Just a brief word of thanks and celebration. The Deep South Dharma podcast is celebrating its first anniversary this week. And I just want to express my gratitude to those of you listening, offering feedback, even some of you offering financial support, offering topics or reflections, things to consider. Um, It has been very meaningful to me to have this opportunity for Uh, this type of regular practice with you each week and the creative challenge of offering something weekly, no matter how imperfect it may be at any given time. Thank you and 
please do let me know how I can support you. Happy anniversary. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.